Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Night and Runs podcast. This is our fourth episode of the show, and I'm super excited to be welcoming on Sydney Baptista today. Sid is a entrepreneur and community advocate who's passionate about leveraging running to create experiences and connect diverse communities. He's the founder of the Pioneers Apparel Company, the Pioneers Run Crew, as well as the host of the Fitness in Color podcast. Sydney believes in the power of running to create connections, elevate voices, and champion change. So Sid, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. Happy to be here. Yeah, and I'm glad we were able to make this work. I'm really excited to talk to you. You have a lot of cool projects. <laughs> too many, too, too many bad. projects. We just mentioned them, <laughs> a few of them there. And yeah. I love to dig a bit more into what you're doing, where you've been, and what you're excited about. Yeah. So, Sid, I first met you through the Heartbreakers Running Company. I think you were a studio coach there. Yeah. And you're also the founder of the Pioneers Run Crew in Boston, which I know mm -hmm. you through. How did you get into running and where are you now? Yeah, so I, I'm actually, I have a sprinting background. Um, I, I started sprinting in high school, um, junior year to be specific. And then um, senior year, I broke all my high school records in track. So 100, 200 four by one, I ran pen relays. Um, and then I went to UMass Amherst and didn't run. Um, and I just played in the mirror sports. Uh, and I was, I was, I've always been a fast, quick kid. Um, and into my early, I guess, you know, late teens, early twenties. And then I tore both my knees playing soccer. And I think that, that was my ACL and I tore my meniscus in the other knee, just doing, you know, sports, you know, I think it was one of those over the years here. Um, but I found myself at a point where like, I wasn't that fast anymore, or I wasn't as quick or fast on the basketball court on the soccer field. I was scared to cut because I had torn my ACL playing soccer. Um, I just found myself in a space where I was working at PwC, a big corporate, you know, giant, um, and not finding love for sport. Uh, and I, I quickly got into, you know, at the time I, I started working out a lot. And so like, I got like really big up top, like really bulky, but I really had bad knees. Um, and I did like the tough mutters and like all those other stuff. Um, and, you know, I love the gym, but then one day I was like walking out of work. Cause then I had moved over. Um, at the same time I was struggling with like leaving corporate America and becoming an entrepreneur. And then like, I walked by Nike run club and a friend of mine who was there coaching, um, another black man was running and teaching. Uh, he was a pacer. And I was like, man, he's running. Uh, I never thought about running, but like, if he can do it and all these other people are like, I could probably do this. And so like, I, I joined the Nike run club because I was probably looking, I was looking for community. I was looking for, um, something that I could do. And, and so that's how I found long distance running, but never thought of it before that. <laughs> yeah. So I know you were pretty good in high school, but you primarily in the sprinting events, did you dabble it all in the distances? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> I was like, why would you run more than one lap on a track? Like that made no sense to me. Yeah. Absolutely. No sense to me. What was the most the coach would make you do in high school? 400s repeats, maybe. Maybe an 800. Oh, hell no. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. Um, anything, anything. Yeah. Because I would, you know, think about it. 100 meter race, you know, 
I ran a 10-7. So like I was sticking to, you know, you know, anything that was shorter than a lap. Mm-hmm. And even those, even those, even those 400s would burn, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah. 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 The sprinting training philosophy and mentality is so different than distance running. I mean, I'm a, I'm a distance coach, you know, I'm a distance runner, you're a distance runner now, but it's completely different. I always joke when you see the sprinters at the track, they, they don't run. You never see them doing any running. <laughs> They'll do like a hundred meter sprint maybe. And then they stand around for 15 minutes recovering. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very explosive. Um, but I, I, Hey, I, I know what you mean. Um, it was, it was a hard transition to distance running. And I think that's what made me kind of really uh, essentially become a, a marathoner within a year of joining um, was like how hard it was and how I was like, there's no way that me, this fast runner, you know, identity as a fast runner, you know, bad knees and all, but like, there's no way all these other people are that much faster than me. There's no way that I can't get fast at this, there's, you know? And so like that, that was like my, my push. And it also had addressed a need for community. Um, and also it really helped me with my mental health because I ended up quitting PwC um, and like going out and trying to create like a music festival um, really? in like 2014, 2015. Yeah. And uh, it just helped me through that time of like, you know, it just brought balance into my life. It just, you go on those long runs and you have a lot of conversations with yourself. Um, and I really enjoy them a lot. And so, yeah, I, I just kind of fell in love with it and it really got me through that period. And then I became a Nike pacer and that's how I met Dan Fitzgerald over at the Heartbreak Hill Running Company. And then he brought me in to be a studio coach. And so um, I found my love for teaching running and bringing running experiences to, to other people. And, and then Pioneers Run Crew, just because, you know, I got tired of being the only black, like one of the few black people that were running um, in Boston and in and around Boston um, that I saw at least. And so after years, you know, three years of running and having this experience of having to leave my neighborhood in Dorchester to go run. Um, and I was like, I think it's time to bring it to, to Dorchester. So that's how Pioneers Run Crew was born. Yeah, that, that's great. You know, I, I think that one of the things I personally love about distance running is you get all that alone time with yourself just to think, you know, for me, I, I totally crave that. You know, just getting it out of the house, it's kind of my, my therapy and my me time as much as yes. the, the sport I love. And um, I, I have a couple of questions I want to ask following up on what you just said, Sid. So yeah. when, you, when you left the corporate world, was, was music your initial entry point into entrepreneurship? Did you have running in mind at that point? No, running, no, no, at all. Um, Yes. When I left PwC, I was, I literally was creating a music festival Um, at the time. It was called C by Sound. I was fusing um, hip hop with EDM. Like EDM was huge. I've been going to a bunch of festivals Um, in 2012, 2013. I did a, in 2012, I did a big, um, I did a big like a street, uh, not a street, what's it called? Like a neighborhood party, block party. Um, and I tried to turn that block party into a full, full-fledged festival. Um, but, you know, we live in Boston and Boston's a very, very segregated city. Uh, and there aren't very much experiences that are created for people of color um, that are deemed safe or that are, um, 
you know, just created and allowed like live music for people of color is just not a big thing here or wasn't at the time. And I was traveling a lot with PwC. I was, you know, leaving the country a lot. And I was just seeing other communities create really, really dope experiences through using music. And for me, it was like, yeah, I want to do that. And so I came back and, you know, for two or three years there, that's what I, that's what I was focusing on. Um, being at last year where I, you know, was going to push it out. We ended up doing a big one at the lawn on D. So we didn't really pull off the big, the big festival we wanted um, for a multitude of reasons, including city hall, shut it down um, through the bribery of there was, there was a bribery case actually with, um, with Boston calling. There was a gentleman at city hall who, you know, he went, he actually got federally indicted for bribery and, what he was doing was bribing uh, Boston Calling for uh, union hands and stage hands, um, union labor rather. And Boston Calling came back and said, if you want us to pay that, you have to kill this festival called Sea by Sound. And that was my festival. And so like that got shut down and I found myself in a, a space where I was like, I put all my time and energy into this. I also quit my job. And that's when running kind of introduced itself. But it was perfect, but I wasn't thinking of running as like my next entrepreneurial spirit. Cause I ended up going to a startup where I spent the last three, uh, about four years. Mm. That, that really sucks. I'm, I'm really just sorry to hear that, that the city really shut it down and all of your hard work. Was there anything you could do or was it just out of your hands? Um, I could have, <laughs> I don't want to say anything controversial. No, I, uh, you know, I it, it, like Boston's a, um, you know, scratch my back. I'll, you know, Boston's it, you know, hopefully it changes. We, we do have a new mayor race coming up and um, I'm excited about, about that. But um, yeah, I've been here my whole life and I, I understand, I, didn't, I still didn't understand how politics worked, mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was definitely a um, left a bad taste in my mouth for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're born and raised from, from Dorchester, right, Sid? And yeah. And the Pioneers Run Crew was something that, you know, it seems like was a perfect transition for you. You know, you were able to take all that, it looks everything like you that. learned, <laughs> created with music, transition it into running. And that, you know, it seems like you have had control and the ability to grow it. And it's, it seems like it's absolutely flourishing. Yeah. I mean, it does look like that now. Yes. Um, I will not say that that has always been the case. And it's also hasn't been the plan either. Right. It was just this need, you know, I, 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 so I found running, I got, you know, I ended up as I was finding my way, you know, the, the music festival didn't work out. I ended up getting, like, I wanted to get into tech and startups. And so running was just something I did that ended up, you know, I had quit PwC and I started working at the Nike store to be a pacer. And I was like clocking in at $11 an hour. So to leave a six figure salary to go clock in for $11 an hour was like hard. <laughs> and then um, I found myself at a, at a startup um, and went and did growth there, but I still did the running stuff, you know, um, which was great. But yeah, running was just something I did that was therapeutic. And then it was so therapeutic and so phenomenal for me that I was like, I need more people of color to experience this because obviously we're being left out in some way. Um, like there's not enough. We're also, you know, we're expecting people of color to come meet us in parts of Boston where we're not necessarily living. Like we're not living there. Like Boston's a very segregated city. So unless you bring in and pulling folks out of their, like bringing opportunity and experiences to those neighborhoods, like they're not going to find them. Um, and so 
that's what we did. And I did it out of the pure love of creating experiences for, for, for my community. Um, and it's just grown over the years and, it, and I had paid out of pocket every year I was paying out of pocket to run this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and 2020, you know, it was the first time that we, um, was able to get some money to then, you know, buy stuff like a camera to take pictures with and launch a podcast to tell more stories. Um, and yeah, it was like, so before that it was just for fun and love. Now it's, you know, I've been able to then launch a, 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 an apparel line, like you mentioned. Um, so if you look back and you feel like, you know, if you take a step back and look, you're like, Oh yeah, this is, you know, there's a trajectory here. You built a community. Now you have a product, but that wasn't what it was like as we were going through it. It's just something I fell on my lap. Um, but because of all the work we did prior to 2020, I think 2020 was a year where running was booming. Black Lives Matter was a thing that was booming and people were looking for leaders who could lead that. And we kind of fell into that space. Yeah, I, I totally love that. I lived, so I've lived in Boston since I was 18. I moved there. I grew up in the suburbs, about 20 miles south of the city. In, in a suburb town of Weymouth. And I moved to the city in 2005 and kind of lived all over, um, primarily in the Northern parts of the city. I, I did live for about a year in Dorchester myself. And yeah, it's it's very different in, in Dorchester. I lived in the Lower Mills neighborhood and the, the amount of people running in Dorchester, it's hardly anybody compared to the Northern parts of the city where you see, you know, people on the regular and it's totally, totally commonplace. It's, it's night and day difference. Just the, the, the running community in the, in sort of the, the Northern parts of the city and the Southern parts of the city. And I don't want to presume that everyone listening to this podcast really knows what the pioneers is, but the Sid, you started the pioneers to bring running to your neighborhood, Dorchester, which is yep. primarily um, people of color, and to bring distance running into sort of the streets and the mainstream to normalize it. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean this is exactly what what we we wanted to do. Um, before we were running in in Dorchester, like you would have sporadic running. And it wasn't even like people of color. It was like, you know, you could tell that gentrification was coming um, because you'd start to see people running, but that wasn't even a thing, you know? Yeah. Like that's how you would see people running. Like, you know, um, but as opposed to now, like five years, almost five years later, we have like big community of diverse runners and Dorchester is is not only the biggest neighborhood in in Boston, but it's also the most um, diverse neighborhood in Boston. Um, and so it's just split up the middle. Like you go down to Dorchester Ave, if you're going, you know, South, you have like the left side is all the white community. And like the right side is like communities of color. And so like, we all live in Dorchester. It's just very, it's also segregated. Um, but we were able to pull a good mix of people out of Dorchester, um, that just joins us for runs now, um, where it wasn't a thing before. Yeah. I love that. Why do you think it is that when you go to communities, and I think that there's, you can describe these communities in many different ways, but there's this perception, I feel like, that running is very popular in more affluent communities as a whole. 
typically primarily white communities. Um, but those two things together lead to communities that tend to have kind of flourishing uh, distance running communities, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, of professional running, running at the mm-hmm. highest level. And there you see that really there's no, you know, at the highest level, there's, there's no discrimination between um, race, ethnicity, or background. You see people from, you know, internationally from some of the poorest places in the world, excelling at distance running here in America, coming through the collegiate system, you see phenomenal uh, black athletes and non-white athletes. Um, But at the community level, it doesn't seem like distance running has really flourished in, in West affluent communities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think there's a uh, a lot of reasons. Um, I think representation is one of them. Like if you don't see people who look like you running, first off, like running is not a most, like a very popular sport, right? Like it's not like kids are growing up and seeing running on TV and, and seeing people and they're like, Oh, I'm gonna be a runner. Like that's not, just not a thing, maybe track. Um, but not definitely not distance running. Um, and so like, if you're not, and then also that's one of it. the other part of it, I think you hit was like, it's for, it's, affluent communities, which, you know, in Boston tends to be black community, uh, white communities, because there was a study that was done. Um, and I'm going to stick mostly to Boston because this is where I live and, um, to do the work, but the study showed that like the net ink, the net worth of a black family was like $8 in Boston versus like a white family, which is like 200 something, 260, $70,000. Um, and so you see like the wealth disparities. And so if you then connect running to it, and like you mentioned, running is more an affluent sport. And it's always been that because take it back to when jogging was, was, uh, kind of introduced, it was definitely introduced to white, more, more white affluent neighborhoods. Um, and you know, black neighborhoods or, or communities of color are in less safe spaces and areas and, it's not, it's not that easy to just go, go get out and go for a run. Um, and it's not something that's normal and kids aren't waking up on a Saturday and seeing people run in their neighborhoods. Um, and so like, there's a, there's a ton of reasons why running just isn't a thing, um, in our communities. Um, and you know, that professional level is a little different. You do have like your Ethiopians and your Kenyans, um, but they also are not black Americans. Like you don't necessarily relate to those people. I don't, I think, and then also people, tend to put those people at a level where they're like superhuman. They're not even like human. Like you're not even considering them to be like regular runners. And so there's a lot, I think it, it uh, there are, um, there are levels there are, and layers to the reason um, that that's yeah. not a thing. Yeah. Thank, thank you for your, your input there. I, th- I think that that's important to consider and, and, you know, you talked about the importance of being able to run from your own front door, not wanting to go travel to other parts of the city to run. Yeah, and exactly. I think that that that's so important for for a ton of reasons. I mean, personally, I just don't want to have to go travel to run. I, when I look for somewhere to live, I want it to be a, a running friendly place. You don't want to be spending time or money or energy commuting to go run. Certainly, yeah. so bringing it to the community where you personally live, where people can meet and gather and run. It's just, it's so important. I, I just moved to Providence, Rhode Island, and you know I'm trying to figure out what the local run clubs and everything are like here. And there's a lot on the east side of Providence, 
I guess if you were to compare the east side to like a Boston neighborhood, it's probably kind of like Brookline or maybe Newton, you know, pretty, pretty wealthy compared to the rest of the city. And I live on the west side, which is more working class blue collar. We're near some colleges. So like there might be some college kids I can meet up with. But yeah, here in this neighborhood, like running is definitely less of a, a commonplace thing. And I'm almost like, oh, should I start my own running club? Like, where am I going to find people to run with? Yeah, so I hear that. You know, we also assume that people have time to run. Like, you know, like we have to understand that running is a privilege. Um, it might seem like easy, like put your shoes on and go. But like you have to assume that you have, you know, childcare, you have a job that works nine to five or, you know, or um, you have time to go running during safe hours when it's light out. Um, they even feel safe going running. Um, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it that I think most runners don't have to think about. Um, and me, even, even me, I don't have to think about it much either. Like I, you know, I am a black man, but I'm a light-skinned black man. Um, and I grew up in my neighborhood and I know my neighborhood well. Um, and you know, so I, I, I still have my own levels of privilege that allow me to, to, to not have to think so much about like, you know, even just the women, we have women on our team, Asian women on our team that like with the uptick in Asian violence recently, violence recently, some of them have been attacked they're always, always harassed when they go out for a run. And so like there are levels and that's just one instance, right? Like there are levels to, to, to harassment and just like people doing normal everyday things and not being able to just do it freely. Like the rest of us tend to be able to. So, um, I, I, yeah. And I focus on bringing a lot of, a lot of, um, awareness to that stuff. So when I, when I say I'm a community advocate, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I hear you. I, I coach a lot of women through night and runs coaching and occasionally I need to check myself too, because I'll say certain things like, like for me to go out and run in, in certain neighborhoods or at night wouldn't be an issue. And sometimes I need to think again and I'm like, okay, other people might experience this differently and I need to adjust the advice or expectations I might have. So yeah. it, it really is important to constantly be learning. I, I think that, you know, Building this whole community aspect, though, of, of like-minded people, um, people who are into the same thing, normalizing yeah. running and, and befriending other runners who have shared interests, shared goals, is so important for kind of moving forward with whatever you personally want to try to achieve, whether that's in running or in business or really any endeavor. Yeah, I like how uh, you've, it seems like you've really been able to grow pioneers. I always thought you had really cool clothing. I think when I first <laughs> saw it, I was like, wow, that's like really fashionable. looks really cool. Like whoever designed that definitely has an eye for this kind of thing. Yeah. And I know just kind of now as we're speaking, you're going through the fundraising and the launching of a whole new apparel line, which yeah. is largely inspired by the run crew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of what we do is make things cool because we find that making things cool, make it more acceptable to people. Um, and they're more open to it. Um, and that's how we found that we have to create the narrative around running. It's, it's more like, especially for our community and our crew, it's more about what you're doing after, before a run that's more attractive than the actual run. Um, you know, we call them vibes after vibes <laughs> because like, that's how we pull people in. Um, and so like creating this, 
this thing around running is then what like allows people to come in and then they find themselves running and enjoying it and really loving running um, is how we found. So like, you know, we've always thought about like, how can we, and it's also, I'm like a very, you know, I've always been fashionable. I've always wanted to make my running clothes cool. So like, how do I mix what, whatever I have available to make it look cool. Um, and so we've been doing that through drop shipping and also just partnerships with other brands in the past. Um, and we just found that brands weren't getting it. They really understand what we were trying to do. People weren't make there, there are no companies out there creating running product with people of color in mind. Um, or even diverse bodies. What what I found is that like, it's not just people of color, it's diverse bodies. It's people who aren't skinny, long legs, um, you know, like, you know, um, those type of looking like runners. So like we found that this community that we've built is actually more about diversity in every, you know, every other way, um, includes, including body types and, and all. Um, and so we started exploring how can we create product for our community because we found that our community didn't look like any other running community and our, and then, so like, how do we create product that fits their bodies? Like for me, my, this, you know, a story that I always tell is how I um, would go and buy running shorts. Like I bought this pair of running shorts that were like the best pair of running shorts. I think I found it in GQ um, and I bought them and then I went for, out for a run. I've only worn them once and they were just so restrictive to my thighs um, and my quads. And I was like, wow, like these are the best running shorts on the market you know, quote unquote, but they don't fit me. And I'm a runner. I'm a, I'm a running coach. I'm a marathoner. I have my own running team. So like, if they're not creating, if these don't fit me, then who else, you know, is left out. And so we, you know, we, that's why, that that's why we launched our running apparel um, line. And, and it has to also look cool. It has to look, you have to be able to, it has to catch your eye uh, and be flashy a bit. And um, yeah. So that's why we do it. That's awesome. What's your initial apparel line? What's it going to look like? What are you excited about with it? Yeah, man. It's, uh, we're in the middle of a crowdfund right now that did 35,000 in six days, 50,000, three weeks. And now we're going for 75,000. Um, but it's, you know, it has to be performance. Like most importantly, it has to perform like sweat wicking, four-way stretch, secure pockets, um, reflective, you know, anything that you would deem important in running. Um, is, you know, that's the focus, but then we throw the streetwear flare on it, which is like, has to be fashionable. Like you could be able to wear it to a party or go out and run errands, or you can wear them for after vibes. Um, and then in the air, in the age of COVID where most people are working from home, athleisure wear, like, right. It has to be super comfortable. Um, and we're also, uh, creating apparel is like one of the dirty, like the like manufacturing apparel is like a dirty industry from like a sustainability standpoint. So we source sustainable fabrics as much as we can. Um, and our t-shirts are all made of, uh, of uh, regenerated nylon, which is made of uh, discarded fishing nets that our mills pull out from the bottom of the ocean and, um, and regenerate um, that fabric, that nylon, that then we then make our, our t-shirts. And so in running shirts for women and men. Um, and so we, we're trying to have that sustainability play as well. Um, but yeah, it has to perform well, has to look good and it has to be sustainable. That's cool. I'm really excited about that. I feel like if you can, you can have a running outfit that meets all those criteria, that's just like the perfect thing. You're like, you know, as, as runners, 
most of us are running more days than we're not. We're putting exactly. on this clothes every day. <laughs> and if you look good, feel good, you perform well, it's just, it's a positive cycle. Yeah, it is. You know, sometimes I find that I can wear, I can wear my running, you know, and then right now it's like before I've created my own, I was wearing a lot of Lululemon because like, I just, you know, I got it gifted to me and then it was just so comfortable and I just didn't want to take it off anymore. Um, and now that I work for myself and work from home and, you know, today I'm in the office, but I could just like wear whatever I want. And then when I want to go for a run, I can just go out for a run, like literally. Um, and I love that. I love to be able to do that and not have to change, um, you know, so it's cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I'm telling you this, these t-shirts are phenomenal. Anyone who's touched them, put them on, you know, the best compliment is like people go running, you know, we're testing a bunch of our prototypes and people were like, mm -hmm. yeah, I can't, I just can't tell they're there. I just can't tell that it's there. It's not, so it's not getting in the way it's comfortable, you know? And so, I mean, that's, so we're excited about it. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really what you want with running. I'd love to hear a bit more about like kind of the, the back or the, the inside of, of pioneers. If, if you want to talk about it, like how, how did you go about creating this? I'm sure this is a new industry for you. Did you have to make connections in the industry? Like how, how did you design the products? how did you know who to manufacture it? What materials to pick all that sort of stuff? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, Creating product is probably the hardest thing that, that I've, you know, I've started a lot of companies. I'm very entrepreneurial, like an entrepreneurial, like I've started something like 15 businesses, um, you know, from like when I was in um, college, like in college, I used to sell t-shirts and sneakers that I used to buy in New York and resell in my college dorm all the way through. Like now I've, I've started like actively right now, I probably have like four LLCs. Um, so yeah, I'm like very entrepreneurial. I've tried a lot of things, um, but apparel, I just knew. So we started with drop shipping and, you know, print on demand. It's just the product that the quality wasn't there. The fabrics weren't there. And so I just started digging in my network of people and friends um, to ask, like, you know, because I knew I could create a brand. Like I was pretty good at that part. You know, like we had created Pioneers Run Crew, you know, it was you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's Pioneers Run Crew is also pays homage to the Pioneer, the New York Pioneers Club, which was founded in, in New York. Um, there was the first sports, uh, integrated sports club in all of America. Um, and so like, it was based on that. So the vibe is vintage, but I knew that I could create a pretty dope looking brand um, that became Pioneers Apparel. But then it was like, how do I make the product? And so as I was digging through my networks, I came across um, our head of product now, her name is Sherry. Um, and she's been in the game for a while. She's created product for about 20 years. Um, and she's created product for a multitude of, of performance companies. Um, and so finding her was like, you know, like if I, if I didn't have her, I wouldn't be able to do this myself. I could have, I'm sure, I, you know, I could have probably pulled something off of, uh, off of Alibaba um, and like met an agent, which I was going through that channel too. Like I had an age, like a, a I had a manufacturing agent in China that I was talking to on like what's on a, not WhatsApp, um, on the Chinese version, WeChat. Um, but it was like, you know, it definitely was not where we are now. Like right now, Sherry was able to, to help us find our mill, help us find our manufacturer, create tech packs. Um, I did have designers who, um, you know, that were like designers that understood the culture that we have created in running, um, that understood creator, uh, that understood streetwear culture. And so like, it was very important 
to have people who understood what we were trying to do, um, design the product, but it was like so important to have somebody who knows how to create product um, and create it at a high level. And so making those connections, it took us a while, you know, you know, I, I, it was probably six months of searching. Um, but yeah, it's hard, but nothing comes easy. Um, and I also have had a lot of failure, a lot of failure. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's been, it's been a grind, but it's starting to, you know, it's, it looks, it looks good. It looks, it looks like it's, it's working a bit here, especially because of how excited people got in the first six days and completely funded our, um, our first order, essentially. Like we have to go and do crowdfunding because I couldn't raise money. Like people wouldn't give me money for this idea. Um, which is so annoying because like most companies will, will create product and then try to find community where we had a community, vibrant community. We had a problem. We had an issue we were solving for, um, and we were trying to raise money to go create and solve that problem, but no one would give me money. And so I just did it myself and, and went through crowdfunding. That's awesome. So did the people who funded into this launch, are they getting product in return once it's available? Yeah. So we launched with 40% off friends and family that, you know, I, that killed the first, that was the third, the first $35,000. So all people in our community, our running community, friends, family. Um, and then we went public three days later. Um, at like 30% off, I think. Um, and then that got us to a certain point. Then we went to 20% off a week later and that got us all the way up to 50,000. Um, and so the incentive was like, get in early, get these discounts, but people are going to love it. Like you're going to touch this stuff and it's going to be like, wow, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's people who, who need it too. Yeah, I'm really excited. I, I hope to to see some of it. Maybe try some of it on it. it, it you know, when it, it's available, that's super exciting. I think with with clothing, uh, clothing at least for me has always been an industry where like so many of the manufacturers are so big, and you know, you might relate to one because they're like kind of cool or you think they're cool, but like. Mm -hmm all just kind of the marketing and that can that can change over time like i don't have yeah. strong personally i don't have strong feelings towards any brand a lot of times because they're just like so big or big. whatever yeah but there's been a few smaller brands that i've gotten their pale before that i've really liked like yeah. there's uh the jeans i'm wearing right now is this company called swerve and they made biking apparel nice i used to be a bike commuter and you know, for anyone who's ever biked in like regular jeans, like, you know, Levi's or something, you know, they're pretty bad yeah. for, for biking. A lot of times they rip through uh, in like in the butt or the, the knees or whatever, they're too restrictive. So they made all this clothing. It was casual clothing, but for cyclists. So it was like mm. cycling jeans and, and cycling shirts where the, the back is a little bit longer than the front. So it doesn't, you know, sh sh it doesn't show your lower back when you're riding and things like that. Yeah. And I think Pioneers is really finding a niche like that, where there's like a really specific community who is it's looking to appeal to. It has a really great community behind it already to help mm -hmm. with the launch. And mm -hmm. I think you're going to, you're going to find a lot of success. I hope you do. I'm really excited for it. Me too, man. It I hope so I do cool. too. <laughs> it's really cool what do you hope and dream for the company where, you know, is it, is it going to be a small niche online order business? You looking to get into stores? What's the yeah. roadmap? That's a good question. Um, I think it's so early on. Um, 
but like in my mind, the way it works in my mind is that we're going to be a direct to consumer niche brand. Um, uh, because I think just, you know, like, not that I'm not forecasting. Um, I've also only launched like three weeks ago. So, you know, and it's, you know, just me and basically just me, uh, and I have other people to help and stuff, but, um, right now I'm, I just, I look at companies that have done it well and they've protected their brand very well. Um, if you get into stores, you know, you, you run the risk of like having to compete with like sales that they're doing. Um, and I, I want everyone's experience, first experience, at least the first couple of years of experience with our brand being very, uh, controlled. Um, and so if we can do direct to consumer, we can reach out. I think we can reach our target audience pretty well on social, um, and on, on paid channel. Um, and just what we're looking to do is pair a public, like a, a running publication that speaks to diverse bodies and diverse stories. Um, and I think that, um, if we take that approach, uh, especially in an age now where people are looking for that, you know, they're looking to connect for communities that, that are like, of like my, like my, uh, they're looking to connect with communities of like-minded people. Um, and so if we can create that digital storytelling component to it, I think that we can, we can find those people and, and keep them engaged. Well, that's, that's the plan. Cool. That sounds like a good path. I mean, if what you've done so far is any indication of where it's going, it's, it's up and to the right, which is, which is, I'm sure what you want. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. To get all that, that funding and support so early on and yeah, the, the quality of everything you're putting out there, it's very professional. And I, you know, it's, I, th I think it's what's needed to grow here. So I think so too. Sid. Thank you. There's definitely a fine balance around like user, like, you know, what we call user generated content, uh, UGC, where like you're just posting people's, you know, everyone's other stuff. But, um, you know, like my, my goal is for, for people to look at it and be impressed. You know, you don't have my product in hand yet, but you're going to be impressed by everything that comes out from email to um, social media. And it's going to look high quality and it's going to feel premium because we're going to try and hold that premium view and that view premium um, uh, like uh, aesthetic. And a lot of that is because like, we can't compete in the, in the price points where we're not premium. Like we're not gonna be able to compete with people who shop at Marshall's. Like we're not gonna be able to compete with, um, like the lower Nike and Adidas. Like we're just not like, because we can only afford to order so many. So like our price points are going to be higher, but our fabrics are going to be higher. It's going to last you longer. It's going to feel better. It has a community component to it. Like hopefully just like you're attached to those jeans, Chris, like, you know, I'm hoping people attach to the product we're putting out. Um, and so that's the goal that we're going for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that. I mean, if you can't be the cheapest, then you have to be the best. And yes. it looks like you're trying to be the best. <laughs> have to, have to, man. Have to. Yeah. I love that. With, with everything that you're doing now and in, in your own businesses, and I know there's so much more we didn't even touch on. I, I want to take it back to your running a little bit. Yeah. For what are sure. you doing with your own running? It's, it's been a challenging year to say the least with running, but we're yeah, all doing our best man. and trying to get out there. How's it yeah. Going? So running, which is hilarious because running took, running has taken a backseat for so many years um, at the height of, I think like right as pioneers run crew was pulling, popping off. Um, I was actually like early on, I was doing everything. I was taking pictures, writing emails, coaching um, and running, you know, training for my own half marathon. 
but I got really, I got injured. And at the end of the beginning of 2018, I had like a really bad, um, uh, hip injury, which was, uh, like a sciatic nerve injury that I actually was dealing with for about two years. Um, and so I finally got it addressed in early 2020, February of 2020. Um, and I actually had a pretty good running year in 2020, um, February to about November. And then I started having those issues again, um, with my knees and my hip and I haven't really much run much since. Um, but I had like a two year hiatus where like, I just wasn't running and it wasn't, it wasn't particularly great for me. Um, but when I found running in 2020, it really did help get me through 2020. And a lot of the stuff we were doing in 2022, which was like a lot of running protests. Um, and we were like one of the few running groups that were meeting, um, regularly in 2020. So we found that our team was growing, people were coming and, um, and like, I really, I mean, I just found the joy in running again in 2020 and I'm just getting back into it again. Now I found, um, you know, I think that for so long I was injured that a lot of what I'm dealing with now is just like, could be mental. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I, I'm actually just joining it. I'm getting an opportunity to become a running coach further. Um, cause the studio closed down. So I'm not really teaching the studio anymore, coaching the studio anymore. Um, and I wasn't doing any one-on-one -on -one coaching either, but now I have the opportunity of, of becoming a, a, a running coach on an app that's launching in, uh, in May, oh, uh, April, April, May. Yeah. I'm super excited about it. Very cool. Um, yeah. So um, I, I don't, I, I don't know if I can answer like, tell you what the, the name is yet, but it's coming and you'll be able to, to pick me as your coach. And um, yeah, it's gonna be cool. So I'm excited to get into that. And then, you know, that way I could, it's like, you got that technology component to it. And then I can just focus on my running and, and my, my team running and, and all that fun stuff. But I'm basically just getting back into running again, though. That's awesome. I, I think that app, someone might have actually sent me a link to that this morning yeah. on LinkedIn. They're like, hey, I saw you were a running coach. You might be interested in this. Nice. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll have to dig more into it. I don't do any any class type stuff right now. It's all one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know, yeah. through a monthly retainer, essentially, with my athletes. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the fitness class and, and workout type, coaching is well nothing nothing that i've ever done before but i've been to yeah. many classes at the old heartbreak hill running studio yeah. I, I don't know if i was ever to any years sid but i was at some of your, your your colleagues there and they're a lot of fun it's a totally different experience than just going out and running on the road which is yeah. what i do you know every day but to have music yeah. and break it up with some exercises and, and strength work in between it's really fun yeah I definitely miss those. Um, this, the, what I'm excited about this new app, I, I, you know, I, I'll just mention it. I don't think it's, um, by the time, you know, people are, are looking at it, it'll probably come out, but, um, it's called pace, stay on pace. Um, and they're doing, um, it's like, you'll pick me as a personal coach and we have training plans and then you'll get content based on like how you perform during your, 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 um, so it's adaptive. Um, it's adaptive. It's, it's one-on-one -on -one coaching. They're trying to scale one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, so yeah, it's going to be called stay on pace and I'm excited about it. We'll see. That's really cool. Yeah. You know, I, I've found in the past few years coaching that I probably get even more excitement just watching the success of my athletes than I do from my own progression at this point. Yeah, seriously. That is very true. Or it's like, yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to compete at the highest level I can and, and push my boundaries, but like, 
when my athlete PRs, that's probably more rewarding than when I get my own at this stage in the game. So yeah. I, I, I hear you. It's cool that you're getting back into it though. I mean, this is our first nice week here in, in the Boston area. It's like 65 degrees today and the sun is out. So I know I'm excited to run. It's, it's tough training through the winter. The, the dark days are behind us, I think, and the cold mostly over. Hopefully it won't snow again. So once you get the yeah. habit built and you're, and you're out running most days again, it'll, it'll be easy. Yeah, no, it is. I actually ended up having to run five miles on on one on on Saturday, this past Saturday, because I had um I had the production team come and shoot a bunch of content, um for the app, and so like I ran five miles, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm running again. <laughs> you know, some some of it's mental. Like I've been injured for so long that like I have these phantom, you know, maybe phantom um injury feels like pain. Mm. But yeah, so it's exciting. I'm definitely excited to be back in it. Nice. Have you been eyeing any races for later in the year? I know with COVID vaccine optimism, everyone's hoping the fall majors and everything are gonna gonna happen. Most of my athletes, I think we got like 20 races folks are signed up for. Fingers crossed they all happen. Some some probably still won't. But. I have not looked at any races. Um, I've definitely looked at the major marathons. I'm trying to pop up at them with the with the apparel, you know. Um, now that I do this full time, it's like it's also my job. So I got to make sure I'm making money to pay the bills. And so like the running, you know, I love running. So always will be doing that. But like in terms of like racing and stuff, I'm not really focused on that stuff yet. Yeah. But I think my best my best my best running years are ahead of me. You know, I think so. I think that was sort of the, the majority of all the questions I wanted to touch on, Sid. I feel like yeah. we had some good conversation here. Was there anything else you wanted to share or, or talk about? No, man, I think, um, you know, I'm happy I get to talk about my running a bit. I've done a lot of um, a lot of these episodes and I talk about or like a lot of these um, interviews where I talk about like all the, you know, social, uh, you know, the, the com uh, community advocate, uh, like becoming, you know, this community advocate in the running space. Um, and I really do just miss running. And so like talking about running is always important and, and exciting. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I think we covered most of, you know, anything I'm excited to talk about at least. So I appreciate that. Cool. Well, where can folks find you, Sid? I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of people who are interested to check out what you're doing. So, yeah. Uh, first and foremost, go to pynrs.com. That's uh, Pioneer spelled a little differently, pynrs.com. Um, and I'm on Instagram at sidbap, S-I-D-B-A-P. Um, those are two places where, you know, support support the brand. We need it. Um, and then follow me. Uh, I, you know, I like to talk about running um, in, in a lot of different ways. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. And I'll include all those links in the notes to this podcast. Yeah. Cool. All right, that's the episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major listening platforms. So please do so you won't miss the next episode. That one's going to be coming out soon. You can also follow what we're doing at nightandruns.com and on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at nightandruns. And if you're struggling with your running or just feeling like you're not progressing anymore like you used to, you can always reach out to me. I'm happy to talk with you about how your running's going, map out a game plan for what maybe you could be doing differently, and get back on track. 
As a coach, I just want to help you out. So hit me up. All right, that is the episode. Peace. Bye.